the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Johan Chan. And I'm Sean Murray. Well, greetings and welcome along to the podcast, uh, Johan and uh, Sean. Great to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you for having us. Now, uh, Johan, maybe you can uh, just fill us in on where you fit into this world of media and technology and so on. Well, I'm actually a freelance business and technology journalist. And unfortunately, also the uh, one part of three, along with Sean as the co-host of Podcast and Chill. Podcast and Chill. New new podcast we'll hear a little bit about uh, later on. And Sean, what's your role in this world of, uh, of technology and so on? I'm a digital communications advisor for a government agency. And previous to that, I did a, a tech-based PR. Cool. So been beating around that block for a while. Yeah, yeah. I think both you guys have been pretty well involved in technology for, uh, for some time. So um, We hey. have. We're both males and we have glasses, so <laughs> it was predestined. <laughs> Um, that makes uh, three of us in this room, doesn't it? Yeah, um, lots of lots of facial diversity. Here. Oh, it's oh terrible! Dear. Right now, <laughs> if uh, they were judging us on uh, certain diversity uh, yeah. factors, good so thing this is audio one. only. Um, now, where were we into uh, into this episode? So, the, I guess the big thing that we we kind of alluded to in last week's uh, episode was that there was an announcement coming from uh, from Google. We met, we mentioned a little bit based on mm. uh, you know some of the information that was out there, but I thought, well, look, it's all been announced, so let's have a little bit of a chat through what uh, what Google have actually announced. And um, you know, there was a bunch of stuff: um, the oh. Pixel Pixel phones that uh, that we're expecting, the Pixel Pixel XL, um, Google Home. Personal assistant. Yeah, there's there's a there's a bit of stuff there. So, you know, more more uh, artificial intelligence stuff coming through, new router and so on. Uh, but you know, I think that the the focus most uh, most interesting to a really broad audience is Google launching the Pixel mm. and the Pixel XL. Um, now these look to be pretty pretty slick phones for those who are Android users, which let's face it's a pretty big percentage of the population. What Most do you guys what do you guys use? I'm on a work issued iPhone. I'm on an iPhone six actually. I oh, for some reason I thought you guys used Android. Well I would be if I had a choice. Ah. Uh, I tried to get one, but nope, we got a contract. Okay. Um, so, well, anyway, um, you guys both know, know Android mm-hmm. uh, well anyway. But um, so we've, you know, we're talking about the, the Nexus phones come with Android NuGuard 7.1. They've got a new launcher in there. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff there from a software perspective and um, exclusively coming with the, with the Google Assistant, which mm. is, is really sort of taking things to the next level uh, in terms of that you know, assistant-type capability. Obviously, we've got Google and Apple and Microsoft playing in the space, along with Amazon. Mm, yeah. No doubt there'll be uh, there'll be others, but well, maybe we'll come back to that in just a minute. I mean, looking at looking at the phones, they look pretty good. You've got you know good specs in, in terms of you know capability, Snapdragon eight eight two one processors. You have plenty the highest, of RAM, four highest, gigs of RAM, 
highest rated phone camera on a smartphone ever. Well, this is what this is what they're saying based on you know based on one. Now, who's the external party that rates those? I've forgotten. DxO what Mark. Yeah, that's it. Um, so they've got the best uh, DxO Mark you know result, but. I don't know. I think it comes down to actually. I'm looking forward to trying it out, basically. Oh, yeah. Just because I've been bitten in the past by manufacturers saying, "Oh yeah, our phone, you know, is the best," and then sometimes in a real world scenario, it doesn't uh, doesn't live up to quite what you'd expect. I'm quite keen actually to see how it compares with the iPhone Seven having dual cameras mm. because the ability to have that bokeh kind of background effect is a big. Attraction to a lot of camera phone photographer enthusiasts. Yeah, That's a good yeah, point. yeah. So yeah, I mean the camera side of it. I you know I think if if they have pulled that off and they've actually you know got the best camera yet in a phone and and it, of course that's always subjective so you know some people will agree i'm not sure everyone uh will on that one but you know they've got a fingerprint scanner in there it's not fully waterproof that's rated as ip53 sort of splash mm. resistant mm-hmm. somewhere close to closer to the iphone than samsung though well the the older iphones mm. i mean the the you know the iphone 7 and 7 plus are uh, you know pretty pretty capable now from you know being able to be fully immersed in water and so on and then you've got the storage options of 32 or 128 uh, gigs of of storage um, i think noticeably missing was the micro sd slot so you don't have that memory expansion option that's um, true but you know other than that and the the waterproof aspect, you know, and and pretty decent uh, battery size. So you've got the five inch and the five point five inch display. Um, pretty pretty capable product, and you know this is the first time where we've seen Google. I don't know. I really wonder whether they're trying to emulate and follow in Apple's footsteps here. When when you look at it. Yeah, you've got this massive ecosystem of Android phones, Mm. Um, but you know Google is sitting looking at Apple, who are making the biggest profits in the industry, primarily off their phones, and 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 Apple aren't. Yeah, Uh, sorry, yeah, Google Google aren't. Um, What do you guys think, Johan? Do you have thoughts on um, you know why why Google is sort of launching these phones now, and uh, you know why they they've gone through this process with a pixel of look this is our phone it's designed by us it's not just um it's not you know, just a, another android yeah mm. and, it, and it's not the same as the nexus you know partnership phones yes htc built it but you know realistically they're saying look this is this is our product through and through well to be honest i actually think we're these tech companies are starting to go back to the old way of th- doing things if you look at the very or beginning of computing days Apple with their entire line, Microsoft, you know, building their own computers, brands are starting to kind of do a 180 and go back and say, okay, now we have a market, people are paying attention to Apple because they have this whole kind of brand effect. Mm. And Google's finally come to maturity with their own ecosystem. They built this entire line of products with um, Google Docs, with your um, Google Plus and all of that together, and they say, okay, now we're ready to tackle the, the hardware. Yeah, yeah, the hardware. Well, I mean, they must have been looking at Apple quite jealously and saying that this is a model and a plan for our business. They have all those other components floating there, but they didn't have a connected ecosystem like Apple has. So obviously this will piss off a few of their um, 
you know, uh, partners like Samsung who they've been working with. And while it looks like it's chiefly competing with Apple in this plan, it's going to hurt Samsung the most, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, had, I guess I had similar thoughts when Microsoft launched the, the Surface around, you mm. know, what, what does that future look like for Microsoft and their partnership with, uh, with manufacturers? And, and that story has, has certainly changed. And Microsoft are taking, you know, now a, a, a you know, a nice little slice of the, the profits, uh, profits there. I think, you know, they're, they're selling a few billion dollars a, a year worth of, uh, Microsoft Surface, uh, tablets. Uh, they haven't been very successful on the phone front, but that's another, that's another story. Uh, there's talk of them launching their Surface phone. But, you know, this is all, I think, is all about, you know, Google ensuring their future and the positioning of of Android. And if they, um, yeah, bring, bring it together like Apple do, where they, they own every piece, the hardware and the software, the assistant, the search, all of these elements tie, tying together, they can deliver uh, a pretty slick product, and mm. you know, one of the things we complained about with Android in the past, it's been a frustration. Is you buy an Android uh, phone, and then you don't quite know when your upgrades coming, and so on. Uh, by buying a Google phone, then you're going to be right at the top of the list, you know, in terms of uh, of getting those updates as as they come out, getting those new capabilities. And and from the look of it, just like with Apple, the pictures to be part of your life from waking up to going to bed at night. And I think the Pixel and particularly the Google Assistant allows them to do so. And just on one point really quickly around the camera, while, you know, the storage could have been a little better, you do have unlimited storage for video and photo, which if you're anything like Johan and I, which is massively narcissistic, that's a really big selling point for anyone taking lots of photos. (laughs) First thing, speak for yourself. Uh, Second thing. I've seen your Facebook profile, Johan. Let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> second thing, uh, at the end of the day, people are creatures, you know, creatures of habit. Mm. And we'd like everything served on the platter. So whether it is the Android ecosystem or the um, Apple one, or even for some people, Microsoft, because they love, because they're in a corporate environment. Productivity. Exactly. Yeah. Everything comes together in a neat little package. And if that neat little package is able to service every aspect of your working daily lives, then people will stick with that. And if they can prove that their product excels, then people will you know, happily jump on their train. Especially because having a closed ecosystem allows a company to learn more about how you need to use their products as well. You have more data available to make those innovations and to be more useful. With you know artificial intelligence being so important now in their latest developments, this gives them such a great tool to be useful to you. And so why would you spread yourself amongst different brands? So the question, the question I've got, if, if Google are really trying to own this space and, uh, and maybe cut their competitors out, if that, if that were really their mission, mm. why haven't they made sure that the Pixel and the Pixel XL are absolutely best-in-class products? Because they're close to it, but for instance, you know, being pretty much fully waterproof, that's that's you know probably the main other thing that they could have added as as well as maybe uh, expandable storage. Yeah, they wouldn't have had to do too many steps more, and they potentially could have positioned themselves as as being the best, ab- absolutely range, yeah. right, right, right at the top. Whereas they're 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 very close to it um, in varying regards, but 
you know there's still plenty of competition in, in the space they're playing. Maybe it's a law of diminishing returns. You look at the price points that you can actually sell your phones on and you say, well, you know, in order to make a profit here, something has to give, whether it be the battery life or the camera that we're putting on or making it completely waterproof because, you know, you can spend a whole bunch of money, but if no one buys the phone, it's a very expensive exercise. So I think what they've done is try to play it safe, provide a very good phone that will convert fans, but also protect themselves in case it doesn't happen. What do you think, Johan? There could also be the possibility that it's still a experiment in progress. Yeah. Um, like they did with Google Glass. People got very hyped for about six months. Um, nothing happened, and then it just died a slow, withering death. Or are they just saving something up so they know they've got some extra features to launch in the next model, right? Because yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you always need to launch the next model. There's always got to be something else coming in, you know, you, whether it's six months or 12 months out. You've seen how even Apple's most loyal fans start to get a little annoyed at the incremental changes that we've started to see in some of the later models. So maybe they've taken a learning from that and have held a few things back. We will see. We will see. Well, that brings us on to, uh, on to Samsung, who have been all through the news today. Um, I've taken a, a number of calls from uh, mainstream media. I had a chat with Duncan Garner a few minutes ago on Radio Live, and uh, no doubt it will be a topic again for me uh, this evening. Um, we're talking uh, what we late afternoon here as we, we, we chat through now. But uh, look, Samsung have really got themselves into, into some strife here, haven't they, with uh, uh, with the Galaxy Note 7, you know, not one recall, but basically at a point where uh, every, you know, everyone in the world is stopping selling uh, the Note, uh, the Note 7. Mm. Uh, we're being told, look, if you've got a device, turn it, turn it off now. Yeah, even the new devices are not safe. So, I mean, I think it, you know, just calls into into question, you know, the the whole Samsung brand is really going to oh, get yeah. is going to get, you know impacted by by this because you know samsung worked very hard for a number of years from being a lesser brand that wasn't as well known it wasn't a premium brand and so on you know it wasn't that many years ago sort of sony was the was the brand from a tv Mm. perspective and uh consumer electronics perspective samsung did, did an amazing job to position themselves as as the leaders but you know, I'm I'm really fascinated to see where this will go over the years ahead. I mean, how, how will it impact people's confidence? And of course, we've just been talking around around Google. Yeah. Um, you know, well, you know, it's may, competition may, now. You know, maybe people will say, well, hmm, maybe Google are are, are, a, are a safer bet for. A, for a phone, and you've got uh, what is it? I think it was you know over two million people that bought the Galaxy Note Seven around the world that have you know basically all been told by who you know by whoever they bought it off. Look, you can come and choose another phone now uh, because look, Samsung don't have anything; they don't have an answer for you now. Get it back to us, even if it's a second replacement, yeah. uh, and pick any phone you like. I don't know. Am I being uh, you know overly dramatic, sort of thinking that this could could have a a, a, a massive massive impact on uh, on samsung's brand and their potential to sell phones in the future no i i think that's absolutely correct i mean um obviously this is unsubstantiated right now but checking on twitter in the last couple of days there was a rumor going around that production on the galaxy note 7 has completely come to a standstill 
Yeah. That's, it's just no longer happening. And obviously the, uh, the entire company is going into lockdown and going through this massive process and looking and up and saying, holy crap, where did we go wrong? And, you know, all of that aside, let's look at the optics. If marketing's taught us anything, is that it takes years to build consumer trust in a brand, and it takes just one second to ruin it. And it's something like this that people are talking about, especially when you see Google making their moves, when you see Apple getting some people back on board with the 7. This is not the news that Samsung wanted. I mean, they would have hoped that their Galaxy Note would have caught fire, but not in a literal sense, you know. They would have hoped for <laughs> some popularity in those, Funny you know, car. shifting yeah. a few um, units. But no, this this could not have been worse. This uh, was a disaster. And the way they've handled it, they've been smacked down with withholding information from consumers for too long. So I wouldn't trust Samsung with another phone at this point. They're that, going to have to prove That's interesting because all of Samsung's other phones, you know, are generally pretty good. You know, the, I mean, the, the S7, the S7 Edge, they Great yeah, phones, yeah. they're great phones. Um, so I th- you know, I think you've got to look at it in that light of you know how how are their other products, and generally their products are very good. I mean, here in New Zealand, we've you know we've had a, there's been a, a, a washing machine recall. Of, I think I think it was washing machines that uh, uh, that caught fire in the past. There's, there's maybe a, you know a second uh, story there in a, in a in a few people's minds. So um, you know, I guess you know part of part of me says. This is this is really going to mess them up bad. And part of me says, well, this is one product. Uh, they've got years of you know history behind them of of great products. Uh, they still design nice products. And as you know, as far as the the Android ecosystem is concerned, look, they're the, they're the, they're their absolute kingpins um, there. Yeah. But then you know, part of me is like, hmm. But 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 you know, with with other things going on and uh, and so on. Yeah, where do, where do they go from here? I mean, I, first of all, the the Note Seven was or is, you know, other other than the uh, the danger issues as a as a really stylish phone with you know great great capabilities. There would have um, been a lot of R and D money poured into it as well. Yep, and I guess you know over two billion uh, you know New Zealand dollars worth of worth of these things sold. Mm. Um, what are they going to do now? Are they going to uh, you know, based on what we know, and just I mean, based on the fact that you can't fly with this phone, etc. If they were to do a, a third release of it, right, where it's on oh, no, a return your original, return your return, um, you know, they can't, I don't think they can do that. So if they if they relaunch it, they would have to, you know, maybe make at a minimum a change to the branding and, and mm. maybe call it the uh, you know Galaxy S Seven. Um, Edge Plus, or you know, get or Galaxy S S Seven uh, Plus, or you know, something something like that. Um, they actually have to have to change the branding. How much in terms of product change they'd need to to do? Well, obviously, some work to do around uh, short circuiting batteries and yeah. so on. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you guys think that they can they can have another? Um, another go with this because it, I mean, it just seems it seems too good just to just to shut it down and, and, and wait a year for a Galaxy Note 8 and even then the Note brand is, is probably well you know for want of a better word it's burnt you know it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's been burnt done. to the ground they've, you know, they've, 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 they've ruined it it's an interesting um, question though because um, there were people after World War II asking what would be the future of Volkswagen so I, I feel like 
in part, it's you have to show that your next product is really, really good. That's how you recapture the consumer trust. It's that what have you done for me lately mentality. Yes, uh, someone might have a legacy of using Samsung products, but if they have a recent interaction with one that's blown up, they're probably not going back to another one. So I would say a different brand or speed up the release of the 8. I don't think they could relaunch the 7. There's there's a problem with the Note 7 in that it's the flagship, right? Yeah. It's the flagship. It is the most technologically advanced product they have available in terms of smartphones. And it's got the most amount of specs. It's got basically the best of everything the company has to offer. It's the one they trot out when they're doing comparisons. Exactly. Phones, yeah. So if this is the one that blows up, then what does that say about all future products, no matter what kind of price point or grade level that you're going to buy it from? Well, right. the S7, S7 Edge, they're, they're flagships too, and those are okay. Yeah. You know, in fact, they're, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, um, well, what about another approach? What about they relaunch it, new branding, but they actually change the specifications and bump it up and make that available. If they made this announcement very quickly that everyone who has bought, paid for, uh, and um, a Note 7 will get the new product and let's just call it a, um, I don't know, let's call it the S8 Plus for, for you know, really, hey, this is really the next thing, mm. um, that they can they can make... And it might just be one or two change. It might it might only be one change. It might be something like what can they easily do without having to go completely back to the drawing board? Uh, maybe they double the the you know the the built in storage. Yeah, you know something like that. They were already bundling them with a big SD card, but maybe they um, they remanufacture with built in storage. Now even that probably um, would be a huge ask from a manufacturing you know perspective, but. There must be um, a bunch of people in varying uh, meeting rooms trying to get their heads around what to do with this. There'll be people all around the world who, mm. are, who are impacted by it. There'll be, you know, I'm sure there'll be people here in New Zealand, um, and you know, I can I can think of maybe maybe one or two um, who are wondering, you know, they they were sort of planning maybe on uh, the bonus that they were gonna they were gonna get off, um, you know, doing really well with, with the, sales the sales of the product. Yeah. It was probably all you know tracking very well. Uh, there, you know, there all sorts of all sorts of people. Now, I'm more interested in um, what next, and yeah, what next, and knowing that they've made the safe move, which I think you know. Right now, what you know, what they've done is, uh, you know, from a safety perspective, to put a stop to it is is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they they probably really didn't have have a choice after these uh, no. the, the the replacement model started, you know, catching fire. I think you hit a nail on the head. Though the very first thing they need to do is offer a deal to the people who have been loyal customers and bought the phone. So whether that is a replacement phone or being first in line, guaranteed eights or whatever it's going to be, that's very important. Number two is I think with anything like this in a crisis, transparency is really important. So if you are testing the phones and you've found that they're safe, they have to show us the testing, make it really clear to everyone that that's not going to happen again. And yeah, um, tweak and rebrand is another pretty solid option whatever they have to do they have to act quickly to regain consumer confidence though in some in some ways they can do that because it's such a popular product and and that's why we know there's a fault because it's such a popular product uh there's a lot of people using them so we hear very quickly so if in if they released 
whatever they whatever they do, um, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to line up for them. You know, minimum of hundreds of thousands of users. Um, so anyone that's sort of standing on the fence can wait two, three, four weeks mm-hmm. and. Uh, and if there have been no reports after that time, you could probably have pretty high level of confidence pretty quickly again. Yeah. Maybe. Well, the, I, I guess, I mean, the last official news from Samsung is only days old, right? Yeah. Uh, it, no, to this afternoon, they've, they've confirmed that they've stopped all sales and every product should be returned basically back to, back to the retail outlet was bought from. They're, you know, there's, there's no, uh, no ongoing sales of the product at this stage. Right. So it's hours old then in that case. Um, so they have a little bit of leeway. They they may have yeah. maybe I I would guess week 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 and a half to go from crisis management to saying what can we do for our customers. Well, that is a crucial component of crisis management is having that plan for then how do we go back into normalcy and how do we bridge uh, that crisis situation into you know going back into your everyday sort of operation and. Showing consumers that there is a plan and they're taking responsibility, uh, they're not trying to hide from what's been happening is crucial. And I think they've made the right steps to get there. Um, so, I mean, would I buy another Samsung, I guess, is the big question. Yeah, probably, if the phone's good enough. Uh, they haven't completely burnt those bridges for me, but I'd, I'd certainly think a little harder about it in the future. Yeah, well, uh, as I was talking to you a little bit earlier before the show, if my iPhone 6 just died, um, obviously it's a couple years old now, um, I was originally going to go for something like the Nexus or a Samsung phone. Hmm. But now with the launch of Google Pixels, I might hold hold out and see if that was even a better option than what Samsung had. Yeah, because I... you know, and the interactions that you have as a customer with Google, they've come through and it's been seamless. So I, they do have a little trust. And so they've, they've got a few chips that they have for me that, you know, I'll, I'll spend it on a phone just to test it out um, or at least convince work to get me one. Yeah, so um, the, con- the consensus is... Not a good day for Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a little while to go yet. Yeah. I think it's going to be really crucial the next week to two and see what they're going to do. Mm. It's too early to judge right now. Especially with only a couple of hours ago there being the recall. So Exactly. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty major in, this, in the scheme of uh, issues, isn't it? Oh, certainly. <laughs> and the timing couldn't have been worse. Yeah. Um, now, oh, look, a couple of other things we probably didn't chat around. Um, the Pixel and well, Google's news last week. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they have confirmed uh, Google Home, um, and that uh, becomes available certainly in the U.S., uh, in a month's time, fourth uh, of fourth of November, uh, so it looks very much like a um, a competitor to the Amazon Echo. Yeah. So that looks pretty interesting and designed to be a bit of a hub for you know smart home controlling a bunch of devices. But a, a little bit of info uh, yet, I'm I'm sure to sort of come through and exactly what gadgets are going to tie in and uh, you know that you're going to be able to control with that. But it sounds like there is a there's a whole bunch of stuff including uh, including. The, the, the gadgets from uh, uh, Nest, which aren't broadly available in, yeah. in New Zealand, to be fair, but they're, they're owned by Google, so of course that stuff's going to work in a bunch more. Certainly making the right moves. Yeah, I, think, you know, it's, I mean, it's good just to see 
the number of the you know the companies that are you know crossing over crossing swords with each other um are, you know competing quite nicely and uh, you yeah. know, and pushing hard in terms of this uh, uh these assistant technologies mm. and artificial intelligence they had and, a big uh, announcement they had a big announcement it was them for me them and microsoft those are the two announcements that really impressed me in you know the last wee while i was a little bit on the fence with what i heard out of apple but uh, Google and Microsoft have really sort of signaled for me as a consumer where they're going. I get their vision now. And you can sort of see, you know, where the companies are heading, which is exciting. Yeah. And as much as um, a lot of us bash the whole idea of the Internet of Things and having the smart home available to us, it is going to be the general trend of technology. And, oh, yeah. And they're just jumping on the bandwagon as quickly as efficiently and from what we can see with um, the launch of Google Home, as beautifully as they possibly can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's hope New Zealand sort of gets uh, you know gets, gets, gets kept in in the picture because we're not getting you know we're not getting all of this stuff. I don't think we've got an official uh, uh, official launch for you know Pixel phones here yet, and so on. So um, yeah, we we maybe not always being treated as a first class uh, citizen of the. Uh, of the, the planet. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the the launch of the Pixel phone itself is basically, what is it? Um, they're stopping at Australia, essentially. Yeah. So everything stops at Australia and never reaches us. It's interesting, though, because New Zealand is such an interesting testing ground for technology because we are such a isolated and diverse uh, consumer market that I would think this is exactly where you want to start testing products before you launch globally yeah and i guess some some do mm. um now a couple of other bits and pieces uh in terms of local news so we've got uh, we've got in new zealand who have uh, oh, yeah. um are saying uh things that we things that we want to hear very um, much so so wi-fi coming to uh, coming to air new zealand flights uh, starting with international i think trans tasman uh flights and so on so they've yeah they've got a, a deal that's been cut there. It's now it's going to be late uh, or the last half of of twenty seventeen before that comes in, and then two thousand and eighteen uh, until that's available on domestic flights. Uh, but the uh, the interesting things I'm hearing here around the newish uh, Wi-Fi uh, hitting airplanes is that. They're talking faster speeds than what we've traditionally seen. I've been on lots of flights with uh, with Wi-Fi over the years from the, the very early uh, connection from Boeing service. I think I, I tried that out uh, probably hmm, well over a decade ago, if I remember uh, cor- correctly, on a flight from Frank- Frankfurt to maybe Singapore. Um, and then, you know, in, in the US, it's, you know, it's very common. Most United flights, or, or all of them, I think, these days have a Wi-Fi capability if you're willing to pay for it. Uh, and a little capability of sort of you know free stuff, which is basically access to their own website, maybe a mm. bit of in, a bit of their entertainment. Um, but yeah, we're hearing about better better speeds, um, which becomes uh, becomes important. Um, the last number I've heard, and I, I need to follow up uh, further on this, is is probably uh, twenty megabits per second um, per oh, user, yeah. which. Uh, you know that's that starts getting us into the territory of you know video streaming and, and you know bunch of you know it becomes a lot more useful than just simple web browsing, instant messaging, and uh, uh, emails, right? Yeah, it, it's big news for a few reasons. Number one is that Air New Zealand isn't a cheap option. 
You know, uh, this sort of news is enough to convince the stingy part of me to stay away from Jetstar. Not that it needed much convincing, <laughs> but it's good to see it. And, and I mean, two long haul flights are horrific. They're not a fun time for anyone. So no, they're not. offering this service is meeting a customer demand, which any good company needs to do. And Air New Zealand has to stay on top of its toes. It's always been regarded as a good airline. But these are the sort of moves that you need to take to um, you know, keep us paying for our tickets. Do we oh. really need the internet you yes. know, while, while we're flying, Johan, on a you know, big long-haul flight? Isn't it, isn't it just one of those nice things? And I know there are competing airlines that already offer it on, on these <laughs> routes, but uh, isn't it nice just to be offline for a little while? Yeah, I mean, I much prefer being able to just pass out for 12 hours. Lucky you that you can sleep on a plane. With great difficulty, but it has been done. Oh, there you go. My biggest thing is I'm just curious what it's going to be like with nearly 300 passengers all trying to stream Netflix at the same time. Okay, fair point. But there's only so many things on a plane that you can, you know, compete with. It's how much room you have for your legs. It's how comfortable the seats are. It's how good your food is, how good your entertainment is. I think Wi-Fi fits nicely within that as just another thing that you have to compete against every airline for. And so Air New Zealand not doing it is a mistake. So it's they, ha- they have to be in, don't they? Yeah, they have to yeah, be yeah, in. Absolutely. There isn't much of a choice. And offering it free, it's just a good thing. Like, you think it will be free? I'm hoping it will. Because most airlines haven't offered it for free in the past. One or two have, but usually it's a it's an upsell, which also has, I guess, the benefit of meaning those that want it will get better speeds because not every man and his dog on the flight is is using it to, um, uh, you know, torrent movies yeah. and things well, like I can that imagine, while they're sitting on a flight. I can imagine it going free to business class and maybe being a paid service in economy. Yeah, I would think it would probably be a uh, kind of like – data caps and that kind of stuff little packages that you can buy in pockets mm. yeah the ones i've used in the past have just been timed so you could buy an hour or you could buy a half an hour or you can buy the whole flight that you know that type of that's that's what i recall off a recent uh, united flight but they, they do vary according to uh you know airlines and there are a number you know i think probably most of them in the u.s offer uh, offer wi-fi uh, now, so yeah. uh, and and certainly a range of international ones as well. So, oh, that'll be curious to see. Um, now, Tesla they've confirmed they'll be uh, they'll be taking online orders uh, in New Zealand from was it November I think. Yeah, and uh, they will actually have a uh, a Tesla uh, store opening up uh, next year in New Zealand. So um, they're, they're they're right into our local market. That's pretty cool. It's yeah, I, cool. I love that. Um, I got the chance to actually ride in a Tesla. Same. Uh, a couple of years back. Actually, no, sorry, last year. And I loved it. I loved the experience. I loved the driving it. And I love the fact that it's also low impact on our environment. Yeah, and there are big moves right now uh, to develop you know, a nationwide electric vehicle charging network throughout New Zealand. Tesla is obviously the gold standard for electric cars, so and there is a market for it, even though it is somewhat small. What I would love to see is government stepping in to subsidise the purchase of electric cars to kind of bring that price point down a little, so it becomes you know more of a viable option for consumers. Well, we will uh, we will see what uh, what the government is uh, you know does, but there you know they've uh, certainly set some uh, some targets oh, around yeah. uh, electric vehicles and so on. Um, you know, I 
yeah, I'm not not sure exactly what changes that might might bring, but uh, you know, it's good to see we've got a lot of electric or a growing number of electric, um, you know, charging uh, stations around uh, around New Zealand and certainly yeah. uh, you know, a good chunk in Auckland now. So you know, it's becoming uh, reasonably viable to have one of these vehicles. Um, a last thing before we finish up, um, the Ice House uh, have uh, have confirmed. Details around their new, they're calling it the Flux Accelerator, um, and working in conjunction with uh, Callahan uh, Innovation, those that that they pick, the startups, the tech startups that they uh, uh, that they pick for their accelerator, for their Flux Accelerator, it sounds a bit like Flux Capacitor, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I don't know if they're expecting anyone to invent anything time travel um, related. But Sign me up if you do. They're, they're going to be uh, putting investments of between twenty thousand and a hundred thousand uh, dollars into these early uh, early stage um, startups. I think they're going to be picking between six uh, and eight. Um, for anyone out there who's uh, involved in a startup, um, you've got through until. Uh, 19th of December, that's when the applications close and then the program itself kicks off uh, 20th of uh, 20th of February 2017. Looks um, looks pretty cool. It's a great move. Uh, the Tin 100 or the 100 best tech companies uh, in New Zealand are worth about, what, $9 billion to the New Zealand economy? So, And they're growing massively. That was in 2015. So it's great to see this investment being made it's good to see an uh, organization with the reputation of the ice house being involved in it and with groups like callahan stepping in as well yeah this is just one of i, th- I think uh, three of these things that are uh, that are happening but i just had the news through from yeah. uh, from the ice house so i thought uh, we'll call that one out and um, you know there's a, there'll be a bunch of details on online uh, around who the people are that are uh, that are stepping up to be involved in that in terms of mentors uh, guys like paul cameron um, founder of book track uh, claudia uh, batten tim williams and Jason Kerr, so yeah, a few of the names that are that are involved there, but, but you know, behind some um, some pretty you know successful entities here in New Zealand, so uh, it's all good stuff. What do you think, Johan? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, New Zealand has really great infrastructure um, being built up over the last few years for tech startups, and having seen some of the ideas that come up, we are on the verge of making a gigantic breakthrough in terms of our industries. We're competing with the best in San Francisco. We're competing with the best across the world. And when you have places like um, Dunedin being awarded Gigatown, uh, they have the infrastructure they need now to really push some innovation there. So it's nice to be able to maybe spread this around New Zealand and not just have it you know, focused in yeah, they had a bit of a bit of a kickstart there with Gigatown. Um, on that front, um, I said on the podcast last week I was waiting to get Gigabit at home. Uh, it did arrive uh, during the week. Congrats! And uh, one of the uh, one of the common things that uh, we're aware of is a lot of routers actually can't uh, uh, can't necessarily keep up with those speeds. So, uh, <laughs> um, so the one that I was that I had. Big Pipe provide that they were offering uh, when I connected uh, just a few weeks earlier does not manage to keep up with the full uh, full gigabit speed. So uh, it's, def- it's definitely one of the one of the challenges with these faster speeds yeah. is uh, making sure you've got the right gear to actually uh, take full advantage of it. But uh, it's uh, it's certainly nice to have that uh, that that speed increase. And um, yeah, my Wi-Fi just cannot keep up at all uh, at the moment so uh, in some places so that's part of being in a, in a new home and a new layout and those sorts of things so yeah. uh, part of what I'm working on it, 
time. You should be probably very thankful that you can actually have access to that. My house at the moment, um, they're still slating for like actually laying down the cables, and I'm probably not going to see that until at least March next year. Oh, that's not too bad. Some people, you know, have still got uh, uh, a longer wait than you. But yeah, that's uh, you know, the definition it's, it's, of a first world problem. It's, <laughs> it's great to see it. It's great to see it rolling out. And uh, you know, every month that goes by, there's uh, you know, there's a you know, thousands more households that yeah. I guess get access, which is uh, is pretty cool. We're rolling it out much better than Australia is. Uh, there's have been that's been calamitous. Yes, well, let's not get into that discussion because we could spend hours uh, beating up on um, on the on the Aussies there. Um, hey, thank you, uh, gentlemen, for coming on the podcast. Now, um, which one of you would like to just share some details about uh, your new podcast, which is uh, which has just just been uh, launched? Now, this is uh, falls into the sort of hilarity uh, camp. It's uh, it's it's a pretty funny podcast to listen into. Well, we like to think it's uh, somewhat amusing. Uh, the response so far from launch has been really good. Uh, we're in the top 10 comedy podcasts in New Zealand right now, which is great to see. Basically, we cover those subjects that you talk about with your mates, but you would never think about telling the public. And that is what goes on, the the, the, the highs, the lows, and the embarrassing details of sex, dating, and relationships for a you know, more technologically savvy Tinder generation. So each episode we share embarrassing stories of our failed attempts at dating and having relationships and we get guests on to do likewise and for some reason they seem to share their stories too. Well the ones I've listened into Sean um you know you, you I don't are, come off well. No, <laughs> no. Um I don't know how else to say it mate but uh yeah. <laughs> This, it's this like a, you guys are just losers in love, man. Uh, yeah, well, we don't tell we story. don't tell the um, success <laughs> stories because no one will be interested in hearing that. <laughs> yeah, this is a show that's uh, without reservations, especially Sean. Um, yeah, I don't come off probably much better. I think I don't. No, think. no, not at all. There, uh, there are certain stories that I've told that are probably uh, the type that you run to the hills for. And Marika's stories are uh, are, yeah, are yeah. as entertaining as any any that uh, you guys have to share yeah. as well. So our third um, host, Marika, is a comedian, so she has some fantastic stories. It's yeah, that's uh, some of them. Yeah, just some um, of them bizarre. Yeah, like, I, I, they shouldn't I, happen to normal people. I don't know what to say. I don't know if anybody wants to listen into this stuff, but would um, love if you did. That. Uh, but it is actually it is actually pretty funny. So um, you know, I can I can understand it if. If you did, because it's pretty entertaining stuff. I'm not sure if it's anything that's going to uh, help you, uh, you know, co- climb the corporate ladder or uh, be more successful in your in your work life. Oh, actually, there is one episode about workplace uh, relationships. workplace relationships that Don't um, take there, there's, there's a little bit of wisdom to take away from that. And yeah, Sean. Um, yeah, you did a pretty pretty embarrassing one there. Uh, we'll leave that for you know if people want to want to find out a little bit about more Check about Sean, um, and you know whether this is ever somebody that you would want to work with. Have a listen to that episode. Um, basically, we're here to make you feel better about your lives. Yeah, there's Excellent. community service. There's always somebody with a worse story. Okay, so uh, where do we find podcast and chill, as you've called it? Uh, you'd find us on iTunes. On, on our website, podcastandchill.nz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search up Podcast and Chill and you'll find us. Anywhere else, Johan? Um, I think 
spamming your news feed with hilarity? Yeah, probably. Um, there's also, obviously, you can also look us up on the podcast app if you have an iPhone. Mm. And I think we're going to be setting up a link to it sometime soon on speakeasy.co.nz. Right, so, which is yeah. where you, you guys are regular um, writers. Regular writers there. Yeah, yeah. We we have many fingers and many pies. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks very much for uh, for joining the show and thanks for, for having uh, us. Sharing your opinions on the New Zealand Tech Podcast this week. Thank, Thank you, Paul. You so much, Paul. So that was the end of the first segment of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Now, uh, this is a little bit unusual for us, but we have a second segment for this uh, this episode across now to part two of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. So right now on the podcast, uh, we have two special guests in the studio. First up, I'm Regan Murphy. And I'm Nigel Parker. Welcome along. Now, Regan, maybe you can let listeners know where you fit into the world of tech at Microsoft. Sure thing. Uh, So I'm working as a technical evangelist at Microsoft in the developer and evangelism team. Um, We're pretty much a team that that gets to talk about and work with some of the cool new technologies um, around the cloud, around, uh, you know, all of the artificial intelligence, um, around the new latest features on Azure and uh, Windows Server and, and things as well. Um, I came into this role after uh, a year, uh, a long, a long term as being an IT pro, and uh, really loving the, uh, the the new challenge and the new experiences and, and the fun that this role brings. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, it'd be no good, no good if it wasn't fun. I can't imagine anybody getting into an evangelist type role that wasn't really going to, you know, you can't do that unless you're really into it, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, Nigel, where do you fit in? I think you've got a you've got a new role since last time we chatted. I have. Um, so I've been God. Would you believe eleven years in Microsoft New Zealand, uh, working in the developer experience team, um, starting as a technical evangelist and. Uh, more recently, over the last four years, um, as the director of the group running running the team, um, like anything at Microsoft, they they don't like you to stick around doing the same thing for too long. Uh, so I realised that the opportunity was was there for me to look at what next. Uh, family wasn't ready to to move up to Redmond or to move offshore, as is we've, what we've seen with a bunch of uh, Kiwis. I, I actually like living in New Zealand, so it's not a bad place. I it's a, it's a beautiful place. So I've managed to uh, land a role which is the uh, lead for technical evangelism across Asia Pacific, uh, based here, but working across a number of countries around the region, helping to uh, develop and. Um, bring forward the the technical evangelism role okay oh that's cool well congratulations on um, on that i can say uh ha- having been maybe one month in there's uh, a lot to learn around the different cultures a lot of things are very similar but um you know korea is is a culture that i haven't been familiar with uh prior to this role and uh just learning and understanding uh reading and the different ways that it's so culturally diverse is it's fantastic. It's it's great learning experience. So are you doing a, a bit more travelling though with this role? Initially, yes. So I'm I've really been travelling two weeks um, every second week uh, since I started, just going out and meeting the teams and getting to know uh, the the markets. Uh, led a hackathon in Bangkok recently with a bunch of. Uh, participants from all over the region, which was fantastic. Um, but yeah, finding my place uh, and and seeing and meeting new people, it's great. Oh, that's good. 
Okay, so um, two topics I really wanted to chat about uh, with both of you today. Uh, one is Microsoft um, Ignite in Atlanta, which I've just come back from, but I'm, I'm keen to sort of uh, hear some of your perspectives. I guess, you know, you're both in that uh, that developer sort of side of things uh, to a fairly big big degree. So um, just in terms of your perspectives on, um, on Ignite Atlanta. Um, and then I want to just hear, you know, what's coming up in terms of Ignite uh, here in New Zealand, which is focused, I guess, on two audiences, as I see it, one on the, the IT professional sort of community and the other on the, um, the developer uh, side. Really, really anybody, I guess, involved in the technology uh, world that has any interactions with Microsoft, I imagine, would be uh, would be a target for that event. Um, but first up, uh, Ignite Atlanta, um, Nigel. What were your sort of you know big the big things for you that uh, that you thought were you know exciting because. Microsoft does use these events to uh, you know to really highlight uh, you know new things, and especially when the CEO when uh, Sachin Dela comes out on stage, uh, you know he doesn't do that too often, and it's usually to uh, um, you know stir things up and to uh, um, you know highlight some new things that are happening. Yeah, so for me, what you've touched on there was the highlight for me at the event. I, I didn't travel to the event, but I watched um, uh, some of the keynotes live and then caught up with others um, post-event. And the innovation keynote that uh, Satya Nadella led was uh, certainly a highlight for me. Um, he went deeper on this concept of conversation as a platform, and this is something that he's introduced, I think he introduced it at Build, uh, last year and it's been developing further this idea around digital assistance and um, having technology almost disappear um, and appear like magic um, and become a layer that we can interact with naturally using voice or vision or uh, the, the way that we communicate with each other. Um, and the example that he used on stage was uh, was quite a smart one. He bought, I, I, again, I'm not a not a fan of American sport, and I don't really understand the the culture side of that. But uh, having a a, a famous um, uh, sports person come on stage uh, and talk about fantasy football over there, which is massive, and how. Uh, the domain expertise uh, can you know can help you when you're picking your favorite team but this bot scenario was had actually used all the data that was at play and was able to actually uh, factor in things that you might not have thought of and then work in a conversational way to provide insight um, based on predictions and selections that people were making and I, I, even yesterday I was sitting at home watching the um, debate between Hillary Clinton and um, and Donald Trump. Um, and I saw a piece of research that has come out from Microsoft Research around the machine learning prediction engine. And just watching that over the last few weeks um, and seeing the sentiment analysis and how the market is moving away from um, following Republican and following Donald Trump, I think the prediction had him down as low as 20%, which was the lowest he's been throughout the whole campaign. Um, and to see that sort of come out in real time and be you know, available as a source of information for people is it's really fascinating yeah that's kind of curious so um yeah i'm um, i'm i'm fascinated by where this is actually going to end up and and you know 
um, when we're going to see the next sort of exciting you know breakthrough I guess in in our day to day lives but um, I, I, I see the role of Microsoft there you've you know set yourselves up to to be sort of an integral part so that people that are wanting to uh, develop these types of technologies and so on mm. can, can utilize the pieces that Microsoft has made it, uh, I th- available I think the big change is that Microsoft's always had um, advanced technology and research and you know having Dr. Harry Shum running Microsoft research and leading in that space um, what's changed recently is under Satya Nadella um, Dr. Harry Shum is now the um, head of artificial intelligence um, and a lot of the commercialized solutions are now reporting into him so he's really being charged with being at the forefront of the change around um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, cognitive services, uh, these new way of being. And as a result of that, uh, we're seeing things moving from research into production services quicker. And I'm you know, going to be speaking and demonstrating cognitive services at the Ignite keynote. And some of the examples that I've seen come out of that uh, really just talk to people. Like my 10-year-old daughter... Um, has been experimenting with some cognitive services that we've built together on a Raspberry Pi um, as an example of um, seeing API. So you point the camera at something and then it speaks back what it sees. And although that you know it's a nice gimmick, um, it is actually life-changing for people with disabilities. Uh, and it was originally uh, driven through a blind uh, engineer at Microsoft who wanted to not only know what was in the room around him, but get some of the subtleties around the age of the people he was talking to, their emotions, and be able to receive those uh, visual cues that he, he couldn't get because, you know, he couldn't see himself. Yep, yep. And Regan, any, yep. uh, any things that sort of really jumped out to you? Because you uh, sat through most of the, the keynotes. And, I did uh, indeed. And I stayed up late to watch them. chunk of content there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, while I am part of the developer team uh, at, at Microsoft, the developer evangelism team, I am still an IT pro at heart. Um, so I've, I've grown up with years of, uh, of looking after Windows servers and things. Um, so there are a few things that, that, um, that were announced at Ignite, which, uh, which I thought were kind of cool on the IT pro side of it. Um, one of the things is uh, we've, we've renewed our commitment to this hybrid cloud. They've released a new technical preview of, uh, of this thing called Azure Stack. Um, Azure Stack puts you know the azure cloud in your own premises um, and it means that you can build stuff and run it on your own servers and then also you know deploy it up into the cloud in azure um, without really changing a lot except an account um, so if you're thinking about cloud you're thinking about um, you know on-premises maybe you know, keep a blend of it uh, it's a really good product for for you know merging those two worlds together what sort of New Zealand organisations do you think well, that would that would fit? Because they've got to be of some some scale for it to be relevant. What um, yeah, yeah. what sort of scale? So um, at Ignite, they demonstrated some hardware um, with the Azure Stack. It's going to come shipping as an OEM solution from Lenovo, from HP, uh, and from others. Um, and they basically demonstrated it was a half rack of servers and storage. Um, so, uh, I mean, uh, a few years ago that wouldn't have been much at all, but nowadays you can actually jam a lot of cores and a lot of storage and a half a rack. Um, but, but even still, you, know, you don't have to be a huge organisation to fill up a half a rack of, of virtual machines and, and storage, especially with the way that machines and, and storage are growing. Um, so while initially I would have thought it would have been targeted at the larger, larger organisations and the data centres, um, you know, depending on what we see with our OEM partners and and the price points it actually could come you know quite a way down 
Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, and um, with OneDrive, there were some you know bits and pieces there around uh, new capabilities. Is that something you've uh, you've you've uh, you've been watching uh, closely, or is that not not your area these days? So I use OneDrive a lot, but I haven't been focusing on the intricacies of of, of what's happening in OneDrive. Okay, no, um, that, that's fine. I, I certainly like some of the new features and things that have been uh, touted for SharePoint and, and 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 around those sort of areas and, and Office and Outlook. Um, as, as far as you know, other areas go, uh, in, in Azure and the cloud and data centers and networking, um, high performance networking, IPv6, um, some of these, you know, things are getting turned on, which are, which are you know, pretty cool in that space. Yeah. Yep. No, I think there's, um, there's actually a lot that comes out in an event like uh, Ignite, and I hope that the New Zealand one will sort of be the same, that there will be little bits and pieces of information and um, yeah, information products, what have you, that uh, uh, are new, uh, because, yeah, certainly sort of scattered through the varying, uh, the varying sessions at, at Ignite in Atlanta, there was, uh, there was some real, some real you know, fascinating stuff and, and new stuff that was like, oh, haven't heard that before. I think that's the beauty of it, is um, when we think about Ignite New Zealand, the is 160 plus sessions at the event and a lot of the presenters are engineers or people working in Microsoft um, building the products and so when you have those people uh, presenting to audiences or engaging with technical people uh, they do tend to talk quite openly and candidly around what they're working on around the ideas and and where they're taking you know product directions and I think with the change to a lot of Microsoft solutions uh, moving towards open source uh, with things like Xamarin, acquisition of Xamarin, and also you know .NET, .NET Core. Uh, you'll see a lot of things happening on GitHub and the feedback actually being more about shaping the path of the product rather than this, well, we've been working on this for two years and surprise, <laughs> which is some of the, you know, the old way, um, yeah. which, which I think means that you know, events like Ignite New Zealand become a lot more um, relevant because they mean that you get you know fresh feedback from from people who are using the technology uh, every day yeah and I, I mean I do like that uh, that aspect of these sort of events I mean it is a reasonably you know, I mean big event it's I mean it's uh, obviously a lot a lot smaller than the Atlanta um, event but you know it does seem there is that opportunity to be able to interact with you know, in many cases, some quite um, quite influential uh, you know people on you know product teams and in in areas that uh, you know if you've if you've got some feedback, it, it might actually get heard. Yeah, so we've got um, presenters coming down that working on the product teams for for Skype, for example. Um, people working on the product teams building out um, parts of Azure. Um, you know, we've got our Windows Insiders team coming down. Um, there's a, a bunch the, of people. We've got the founder of Hockey App, don't we? We do indeed have the founder of Hockey App. Uh, he's coming down as well. So yeah, there's, there's quite a few um, product managers that'll be there, um, and they you know they will be there. You will be able to approach and talk to them as well. So it's um it's it's pretty cool access to some I, of those people building the. Products. I think it would be remiss being the second Tuesday in October, uh, not to mention that it's uh, at a Lovelace Day today. So you know you know about at a Lovelace Day, Paul. Uh, fill me in. So Ada Lovelace, um, considered the world's first computer programmer. She was an English mathematician in the 19th century. And um, today is the International Day uh, celebrating the achievements of women in science, tech, engineering and maths. And so um, I was thinking, yeah, what, what Regan was saying here, 
The other thing with an event like Ignite is an opportunity to drive that uh, area around diversity and inclusion. And um, with yeah, with the speakers coming down, I'm I'm actually really excited that we've got uh, Jennifer coming down. Jennifer. Jennifer Marsman Marsman because I met her up in the US in July and uh, she's works for Microsoft with an expertise around machine learning in the area of cognitive science and she's been considered one of the uh, I, I can't remember is it 10 or 100 most 100 I think yeah top 100 influential people, influential people worldwide in machine learning and she's talking about um, a project she's been working on with uh, an EC, an EG, uh, EEG, EEG uh, meter yep. that determines yep. lying. At, uh, you know, can work using machine learning. Oh, to yeah, that sounds fascinating. Indicate if somebody's lying or telling the truth. And so, um, oh, yeah, I, I was blown away with her talk, and when I saw her up in the US, and I think having her come down and be part of the mm. keynote and also part of the event is. Um, is, is great as well. Yeah, and I mean you've always you've always had a you know a bit of a mix at Ignite, but um, you know this year there's there's quite a reasonable sort of you know bunch of um, uh, women speaking out there at the event. Yeah, we're hoping that we'd have more than than you know last year, more than the year before. Um, it, it's still you know a work in progress. There's a lot to be done, and and you know the diversity and inclusion across the whole field. Um, but that's certainly you know, one of the priorities that we um, you know, that we address with this, or we try and address with this conference. Um, we do actually have a um, a couple of women in technology themed um, parts of this uh, conference. Um, we do have a networking session that will be restricted to women only. Uh, but this year we also have a, a lunch panel discussion, which uh, we're actively encouraging um, you know, men to come and uh, participate in and, and and view as well. Um, whereas in the past, you know, we might have not done that. Um, yeah, so it's it's certainly a thing. And, and yes, as Nigel said, Ada Lovelace Day, uh, certainly a, a good day to, to line up with that topic. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I knew, knew the name, but, um, yeah, now, now I know more. Thank you, <laughs> Nigel. No problem. Good, good. Um, so anything else that we should uh, we should highlight around um, Ignite New Zealand before we finish up? You know, I know that there will be a bunch of listeners that, that are going, um, yeah. that, you know, want to get the, the most out of it. Uh, and there'll be a few, you know, maybe one or two other people that, um, you know, it's getting pretty close to the event now, but uh, they might be wondering whether uh, whether they actually this is something that would be uh, worth their while uh, attending. I think, I think the key thing is that it's... 21st year of running the event in New Zealand which is a significant amount of time Um, and we learned from last year so last year, uh, over the last couple of years we've broken off the keynote and we've gone down to Vector and we've made the keynote a much larger affair with um, you know, a greater number of people who are delivering that top line message but last year we got some feedback that it felt disconnected the content that the the technical people were receiving throughout the event um, wasn't really connected to what we were delivering in the keynote in a different venue. Um, so what we've done this year is we've gone back to our roots uh, and you know quite happy about the fact that the media don't know necessarily the people we've got talking in the keynote. It's actually about bringing the right content in for the right audience, bringing it back into Sky City and making it more part of the event um, so that we can focus on the technical depth and the delivery of content um, through from Keynote right through to, to you know, the breakout sessions as well. Cool. And from anything from your end uh, there, Regan? 
I think Nigel's uh, kind of covered the bases quite well. That's really, good. yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, thank you both for uh, for coming in. Um, you know, I do appreciate uh, the you know the input that we get from uh, Microsoft for the New Zealand Tech Podcast, and you know there are lots of companies in the technology world, but you guys have a, a pretty large footprint here in New Zealand, and um, you know generally make yourselves pretty accessible and are pretty supportive in terms of when there are events and things on in the US. So um, you know, thanks for your help in in those regards. So I know our listeners appreciate being kept up to date uh, with what's happening and. Um, you know, I guess it varies from company to company in terms of how easy it is to get it access to the info, but uh, both you coming in is, uh, is appreciated. Excellent. Thanks for having us, Paul. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Catch you again next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.